If someone told you that they were a prophet of God, would you believe them? Would you hand your money and your personal property over to the so-called prophet of God? Would you help that person commit murder? In this episode, I'm going to talk about a man who claimed he was a prophet of God, started his own cult, then murdered five people of the same family who were his followers, just because he thought they were weak. I am your host, Bill Swafford, and this is Murderers in Ohio. So we got a killer on a run in Ohio. Religious cults can show up anywhere in the world. I myself, someone who was born and raised in the state of Ohio, did not know that a small religious cult made Ohio their home. In January of 1990, law enforcement would dig up a hole in an old barn at a farmhouse outside of Kirtland, Ohio. That is where they found the bodies of Dennis and Cheryl Avery and their three young daughters, 15-year-old Trina, 13-year-old Rebecca, and Karen, who was only seven years old. The farmhouse was previously rented by Jeffrey Lundgren. Jeffrey lived there with his family and some of his followers. Soon it would be all over the news media that five members of a religious cult were murdered by other members of the same religious cult. This small religious cult out of Kirtland, Ohio, only had about 20 followers. Some say at one point there had been up to 29 followers. They all followed the preaching of one man, a self-proclaimed prophet of God, Jeffrey Lundgren. There's nothing at all that looks special about Jeffrey Lundgren. If you would have seen him out on the street, you would not have said, hey, that's a man of God. He had long, grayish hair. He was a little bit on the heavy set side. So what made Jeffrey think that he was truly a prophet of God? And what made other people think that he was a prophet of God? Why did they follow him? Two things are needed for a religious cult to form. People who are desperately wanting to find the faith in God. Second, there needs to be a person with the gift of talking. Someone who can tell a lie so good that they themselves can believe it. Jeffrey Lundgren was not originally from Ohio. Jeffrey and his family did not come to Ohio till the year of 1984. Jeffrey was born on May 3, 1950 in Independence, Missouri. There he was raised by both of his parents. Jeffrey was brought up in the reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or otherwise called the RLDS Church. Jeffrey and some people who had known Jeffrey while he was growing up claimed that he was physically abused mostly by his dad. Jeffrey was a quiet kid. Jeffrey would go on to enroll at Central Missouri State University. While he was attending the university, he would spend some time at a house that was owned by the RLDS Church. That is where he met his soon-to-be wife, Alice Keeler. In 1970, when Jeffrey was around 20 years old, he would marry Alice 
and by December of 1970, they would have their first child. Four years after being married, the couple would have their second kid. By the year 1980, Jeffrey and his wife Alice would have four kids to take care of. One of them would be a young son they named Damond. That is spelled D-A-M-O-N. Jeffrey did enlist in the United States Navy and he served in the Vietnam War. However, he had received an honorable discharge four days before his four-year term was up with the Navy. I don't understand why the Navy chose to give an honorable discharge with only four days left to finish off the four-year term that Jeffrey had enlisted for. Why not just make Jeffrey finish off the last four days that way he's not discharged and he completes his whole enlistment? That doesn't make sense. Up to this point, everything sounds almost normal for Jeffrey and his family. They did have money problems like most families do. Some people claim, though, that when money was becoming an issue for Jeffrey and his family, that Jeffrey had become abusive towards his wife, Alice. In the summer of 1984, Jeffrey and his family moved to a small town named Kirtland, Ohio. Kirtland is in Lake County. I have not talked about Lake County for murderers in Ohio, so this episode is a part of 88 counties of murderers in Ohio. Lake County is in the northeastern part of Ohio, just east of Cleveland. Kirtland sits around the southern part of Lake County. Kirtland has a population just over 6,000 people. When they got to Kirtland, Ohio, Jeffrey and his family found a RLDS church to attend. The Lundry family lived in a house that was owned by the RLDS church. The house was by the Kirtland Temple on Chillicothe Road in Kirtland, Ohio. The temple is a historical landmark. Jeffrey would volunteer as a tour guide at the temple. The Kirtland Temple is where Jeffrey started preaching his religious theories. Jeffrey didn't preach the same things that other RLDS church ministers were preaching. Jeffrey tried to teach his own interpretation of the Bible. I believe that if no one had believed or bought into what Jeffrey was saying, that Jeffrey would have never been able to do the horrible things that he had done. However, there were a few people who did believe in Jeffrey. Jeffrey would soon have up to 20 followers. The Avery family would even move from Missouri to follow Jeffrey's preachings. Jeffrey had set himself up in a good situation to where he could teach his version of God's word. By being a tour guide at the temple, and teaching his own Sunday school classes. This would only go on till 1987. Jeffrey and his family would be evicted from the house that the church owned. Jeffrey would no longer be a tour guide at the temple. Jeffrey was accused of keeping money from the temple. After this, Jeffrey and his family had rented a farmhouse outside of Kirtland, Ohio. 
I do want to mention that while Jeffrey and his family were living at the house that the church owned, a couple of Jeffrey's followers were already living with him. And when they were evicted, those followers and a couple of more moved out to the farmhouse with Jeffrey and his family. This farmhouse was a white two-story farmhouse, and there was a big red barn on the property. The Avery family moved to Kirtland, Ohio from Missouri in 1987. However, they did not move into the farmhouse with Jeffrey and the rest of them. Dennis Avery was an older man, maybe one of the oldest of Jeffrey's followers. Cheryl Avery had brown hair. 13-year-old Trina had long black hair. Rebecca and Karen both had reddish-brown hair and was short. The Avery family looked like a normal church family. At the farmhouse, Jeffrey would continue his religious teachings. He would hold Sunday school classes. Soon he would be preaching that the Kirtland Temple was necessary for their cause and that an assault on the temple was necessary. In the year of 1988, the RLDS Church wanted nothing more to do with Jeffrey Lundgren. Jeffrey was no longer recognized as a preacher by the church. Jeffrey had his followers, their belongings, their money, their faith. However, he did not have the temple or the church's respect. It is said that in the early part of 1989, Jeffrey started preaching about a wilderness trip. Jeffrey wanted all of his followers to get ready to take a religious trip into the wilderness. Some of Jeffrey's followers had left their jobs that they had been working and bought things for the trip. In April of 1989, it appeared as though they were getting ready for a religious trip to the wilderness. The Avery family even gathered up everything that they owned. Dennis and Cheryl Avery did not know what else Jeffrey had planned. On April 12th, Jeffrey had a couple of his followers start digging a six-foot pit in the barn. They were under Jeffrey's order not to tell anyone what they were doing. I'm sure that there were other followers who were already clued in to this plan by this time, not just the ones who were digging the hole. Jeffrey just didn't want any of it to get back to the Averys. Jeffrey tried to make sure that no one would come looking for the Avery family at the farmhouse. He had Cheryl Avery write her extended family, telling them that she and her family were moving to Wyoming and that she would contact them after they had gotten settled in. Things seemed to be going as Jeffrey had planned, so he invited the Avery family to the farmhouse on April 17th to have dinner with him, his family, and the rest of his followers. The Avery family thought they were going to have dinner with someone that they could trust. To break bread with someone they thought was a prophet of God. 
On April 17th of 1989, the Avery family did go out to the farmhouse outside of Kirtland, Ohio to have dinner with their soon-to-be murderer and his followers. Jeffrey and his followers put a lot of thought into what they were about to do. Jeffrey's wife Alice and son Damon was even involved with the planning. Jeffrey's wife and son were at the dinner. Ron Love and his wife Susan, Richard Brand, Daniel Kraft, and George Winship were at the dinner. They were followers of Jeffrey. They all sat down and had dinner together. Cheryl Avery and her oldest daughter helped cook and then helped clean up. The Avery family had no clue about what Jeffrey and his followers were about to do. After dinner, Jeffrey, his son, and four of his followers had gone out to the barn. The Avery family stayed in the house with the women and kids. Jeffrey must have wanted to preach one more time to his son and his four followers, Ron Love, Richard Brandt, Daniel Kraft, and George Winship. Jeffrey would send Ron Love into the house to bring out Dennis Avery first. Ron Luff was an average-sized guy. He had a mustache, he wore glasses, and he had a receding hairline. Ron Luff tried to use a stun gun on Dennis Avery, but it had failed. So they bound and gagged Dennis Avery and dragged him over to Jeffrey. And that is when Jeffrey shot Dennis twice in the back. They threw Dennis Avery's body into the pit. While all this was going on, someone had started up a chainsaw that was to hide the sound of what Jeffrey was doing to Dennis Avery. They didn't want nobody in the house to hear what was going on because the rest of the Avery family was inside of the house, clueless that Dennis Avery had just been murdered. Jeffrey was using a 45 caliber semi-automatic pistol. Jeffrey then sent Ron back into the house for Cheryl Avery. When Cheryl was brought out to the barn, she had received the same treatment that her husband did. She was bound, gagged, duct tape put over her eyes, then dragged to Jeffrey. And that was when Jeffrey shot her. Then they threw Cheryl's body into the pit with her husband, Dennis. This self-proclaimed prophet of God did not stop there. He would truly show that he was not a man of God. Jeffrey would order Ron Love to bring out the Avery girls, ages 15, 13, and 7, bring them out to the barn one by one, where the girls would be gagged, shot, and thrown into the six-foot pit with the bodies of their parents. Those three young girls were no threat to Jeffrey and his followers. The only threat those three girls were to Jeffrey was that they could put him up for murder of their parents. All the men helped fill the hole with rocks and dirt. Then they all went back into the farmhouse. Once they were back in the farmhouse, 
Jeffrey decided to have a prayer meeting. How can you sit down and have a prayer meeting with someone who just murdered five people, three of which were young kids? Jeffrey claimed that God told him to kill the Avery family. The Avery family wasn't fully believing everything that Jeffrey was preaching. It was Jeffrey's belief that the Avery family were a weak link amongst his followers. Ron Luff, the man who had led each one of the Averys to their deaths, he did not live with Jeffrey. Ron and his wife Susan had their own place. They did give money to Jeffrey on a regular basis. They did not call Jeffrey dead like the followers who lived with Jeffrey. I believe that Jeffrey's followers only encouraged Jeffrey to take his preachings to a whole nother level. And at some point, Jeffrey truly believed that he could talk to God. The next day, April 18th, law enforcement would show up at the farmhouse just outside of Kirkland, Ohio. Law enforcement had been tipped off about Jeffrey's planned assault on the temple. Police officers and the FBI were there. They interviewed everyone at the farmhouse. Everyone had said that they were there on their own free will and that they knew nothing about a planned assault on the Kirtland Temple. The police officers and the FBI left the farmhouse without making any arrests. Law enforcement had no idea that the Avery family were buried in the barn at the farmhouse. They had talked to a murderer and his followers. The neighbors that lived around the farmhouse believed that they had seen signs of a cult living at the farmhouse that was rented by Jeffrey and his family. Jeffrey and his followers would leave the farmhouse they would go to the mountains of Davis, West Virginia. There, Jeffrey would move them around different campsites where they would live in tents. They did this up to the month of October 1989. While they were in the mountains of West Virginia, Jeffrey planned to take on a second wife, a lady named Tanya Patrick. Tanya Patrick had red hair and rosy red cheeks. However, Jeffrey's first pick did not work out. Jeffrey's second pick was Katherine Johnson. This did not sit well with Katherine's husband, Larry Johnson. Katherine had medium-length dark brown hair. Bad feelings were starting to form with some of the followers towards the self-proclaimed prophet of God. Still though, Jeffrey his family, and about 10 of his followers left the mountains of West Virginia. Some of his followers stayed back in West Virginia. I would like to mention that the gun that Jeffrey had used, this 45 semi-automatic pistol, Jeffrey sold that, so supposedly sold that, while they were in West Virginia. Jeffrey still had some followers, but he had gone too far when he picked Katherine Johnson to be his second wife. Even if Katherine Johnson was willing to marry Jeffrey, Larry Johnson was not going to sit back and let Jeffrey take his wife Katherine. In December of 1989, 
eight months after the Avery family were murdered. Larry Johnson went to the federal law enforcement and told them about how Jeffrey and his followers had killed the Avery family. I have not found anything that details Larry Johnson's involvement with the Avery murders. I believe that Larry was there or Jeffrey or one of the other followers had told Larry about the murders. Law enforcement finally went to the farmhouse on January 3rd of 1990. They started to dig up the pit and the barn that Jeffrey's followers had started to dig on April 12th of 1989. On January 3rd, they found the body of Dennis Avery. The following day, they would find the bodies of Cheryl and the three little girls. A coroner's report would reveal that Dennis had been shot twice in the back. Cheryl had been shot three times in the torso. 15-year-old Trina was shot once in the head and twice in the body. 13-year-old Rebecca was shot once in the back and once in the thigh. 7-year-old Karen was shot in the head and the chest. Traces of duct tape was found on their mouth, wrist, and ankles. How can a prophet of God do something so horrible to a entire family? Bullets were found from a 45 semi-automatic gun. However, they did not find the gun because Jeffrey had sold the gun while in the mountains of West Virginia. Law enforcement's next move would be to hunt down the self-proclaimed prophet, Jeffrey Lundgren, and his followers. Jeffrey would not be found in Missouri. Law enforcement would arrest Jeffrey Lundgren in California on January 7th of 1990. Law enforcement would also arrest 13 other people, Jeffrey's wife, Alice, and their son, plus 11 of Jeffrey's followers. Jeffrey had given an interview. Jeffrey stated that he never wanted the Avery family to move to Kirtland from Missouri. He claims that he had written the Avery family to tell them not to make the move, but they did anyways. Once the Averys were in Kirtland, Ohio, they were forced to give up their car and belongings to Jeffrey. Jeffrey also maxed out Dennis Avery's credit card. Jeffrey said that he read in the scriptures that he should kill the Avery family. Jeffrey believed that the Avery family were weak and lazy. Jeffrey and his followers used the Avery family for money and other things. Then when the Averys had nothing left to offer them, the Averys were murdered. Jeffrey's main message was that Jesus would not come back to earth till they had taken back the Kirtland Temple. Jeffrey and his followers would never get that chance. Jeffrey Lundgren was found guilty of five counts of aggravated murder and five counts of kidnapping and some other charges. Jeffrey was sentenced to death by the state of Ohio, and he would spend the rest of his days on Ohio's death row. Jeffrey's family and his followers would also have their day in court for their part in the Avery family murders. 
Alice, Jeffrey's wife, was convicted of five counts of aggravated murder and kidnapping. She helped set up the Avery family. Alice was sentenced to 150 years to life in prison. Damon, Jeffrey's son, was convicted of four counts of aggravated murder and kidnapping. He was sentenced to 120 years to life in prison. Ron Luff, the man who led each one of the Averys one by one to their death, was found guilty of five counts of murder and three counts of kidnapping. Ron's prison sentence for leading the Averys to their deaths was 170 years to life in prison. Daniel Kraft was found guilty of five counts of murder and three counts of kidnapping. He received 50 years to life in prison. George Winship and Richard Brand were found guilty of five counts of murder and they both received 15 years to life in prison. The county courts and the investigators had their hands full with this murder investigation. There was at least 14 people who helped Jeffrey set up the Avery family to die. Believe it or not, I still haven't gone over everyone and their charges yet. There were two ladies, one named Deborah and the other one named Sharon, plus Susan Luff, who was Ron Luff's wife. Those three ladies were convicted of five counts of conspiracy to commit murder and each received 7 to 25 years to life in prison. Tanya Patrick, Jeffrey's first choice for a second wife, was charged with obstruction of justice and received one year of probation. Dennis Patrick, Tanya's husband, that's right, Tanya was married when Jeffrey picked her for his second wife. Dennis was charged with obstruction of justice and so was Katherine Johnson. They both received a one-year prison sentence. You might remember that I said that Katherine Johnson was married to Larry Johnson. Larry was the guy that turned Jeffrey and his followers in because Jeffrey wanted to marry Katherine. That was Jeffrey's whole downfall. Well, in an interview between a prosecutor and Jeffrey, Jeffrey was at a hearing for clemency. Jeffrey told the prosecutor that he had married Katherine Johnson in 1992 while in prison and that Katherine and him had a child together. How could Katherine, who spent a year in prison, actually marry a man that was not a prophet of God but was pure evil? Jeffrey was scheduled for execution on October 24th of 2006. Jeffrey actually petitioned the courts to not carry out his death sentence. One of Jeffrey's reasons was his extreme weight problem. He claimed that it would be cruel and unusual punishment. A man who murdered a family of five was worried about cruel and unusual punishment. Jeffrey's attempt to save his own life failed. Three hours before Jeffrey's execution, he slept, he watched some TV, he read the Bible, and he had breakfast of Rice Krispie treats, pancakes, fruit, juice, and milk. 
Jeffrey still had followers while he was on death row. Jeffrey still believed everything that he preached. On October 24, 2006, Jeffrey Lundgren was pronounced dead at 10.20 a.m. He died by lethal injection at the age of 56 years old in the Southern Ohio Correctional Institution. It is said that no one claimed Jeffrey's body and that Jeffrey Lundgren was buried in the prison cemetery. Now, Jeffrey and his followers were arrested in 1990. This is 2022, so we're talking about 32 years ago. So, in 2010, five of those followers were paroled from prison after 20 years. The prosecutors tried to keep them in prison as long as they could, even though apparently a part of their plea deal, they were supposed to be released at the earliest point in time. The five that were paroled from prison were George Winship, Richard Brand, Susan Luff, Deborah, and Sharon. When those five followers were paroled, there was a lot of people who believed that the five should have never been released from prison for their part in the Avery murders. The Avery family lost their lives because one man apparently wasn't mentally stable and a few people who were too blind to see the truth. Back in January 1990, I was, I believe, 11 years old. And even at that age, I think that I had enough common sense to know that Jeffrey Longgren was never a prophet of God. I will say this for those who need to hear it. Someone who murders another person, especially an entire family, that person might not be a prophet of God. I am Bill Swafford, and this has been Murderers in Ohio. The Murderers in Ohio podcast and music was put together and performed by Bill Swafford. We got the devil on the road in Ohio.